0: What's up, guys? It's three-time NFL Pro Bowler All-Decade Return Specialist, Josh Cribbs. I want to welcome you to the College Sports Connection podcast, where AA Alex and AJ host the Mid-American Conference best. Hey everybody! Welcome back to the College Sports Connection podcast. I'm your host Alex the Captain. Joining me, as always, it's AJ the Guru.
1: What's going on, everybody?
0: AJ, this week we have our first broadcaster on the show and our first representative from Ohio University, ladies and gentlemen. This week we are welcoming the voice of the Bobcats,
2: Russ Eisenstein. Thank you so much for joining us, Russ. Alex and AJ, thank you so much for having me, and and I'm uh, I'm challenging all the rest of the voices in the MAC. Uh, to get on this uh, podcast as well. It's a fun time. This is infotainment personified. This is information and entertainment in podcast form. That's what what they tell us.
1: (laughs) I I got into podcasting because I did radio. I did high school radio in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And so I get the whole radio thing and it's, I didn't know I would love it as much as I did until I started doing it. And it's a blast. Yeah, it is, well, it really and that is. was
0: and that was kind of our whole story. Is I, I, I'm a musician, so it's like, hey, AJ, I've got the performer aspect. You've got the sports knowledge. Let's uh, let's make this work. And here we are, almost three years to the day later, ironically. Oh. So this is uh, this is cool. Great to have you on, Russ. But let's let's talk about you. Let's talk about you've had Mac ties your entire life. You grew up a fan of Northern Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, how cool was that? You're, so you're from Chicago. You grew up in front of Northern Illinois. Yeah. Why, why wasn't it like Northwestern or, um, you know, University of Illinois? Like why, sure. why Northern Illinois?
2: Well, it it was Northwestern a little bit too. Okay. Um, but I, I, grew up in Bolingbrook, Southwest suburbs of Chicago. Um, my dad went to NIU. Um, he was there for, for one year, um, and then actually went to Southern Illinois and then went to broadcasting school and then started his career. Um, but anyway, uh, going to games in DeKalb was just something that that I did growing up, uh, but going to games everywhere now, and that's that's the the rest of the story too. Um, but going to football and basketball in DeKalb was just something that we did as a family. And you you think about the the time that you're in the car, the time that you're going to eat, the time that you're there at an arena or at the stadium before the game. And I'm just so fortunate that I was able to grow up that way with with parents that uh, that uh, understood um, the value of education, uh, understood the place of, of college athletics and, and sports. Um, but breaking the games down as we go to the games, uh, it was more than just, all right, we're going to a game. Mm. Um, but all of that invaluable time that that you would have driving to DeKalb to see uh, Kenny Battle uh, and those NIU teams. Kenny Battle was the first college player ever to do the 360 dunk. And, and we were there to see that, you know, we, we go back to the John McDougal days at NIU, the early eighties, um, and, and Northern never should have left the Mac. Uh, and I think it set them back a little bit in a lot of ways. Uh, and then they came back to the league when, when I was a freshman at NIU in the late nineties. So, uh, going to games there was so important. And, and those guys were my heroes, um, Alan Rayhorn and, and Tim Dillon. And then, uh, when they were out of the MAC in, in in the '90s, the late '80s and early '90s, that '90 90, '91 NIU team was one of my favorite teams ever, uh, with uh, Donnell Thomas and Donald Whiteside and Stacy Arrington and and uh, uh, Andrew Wells and 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 uh, so many other uh, Andrew Harmon and and others uh, mm-hmm. on that team. So uh, anyway, just all of that stuff in my uh, growing up helped make me the broadcaster I am. But it was it was more than just that. It was going to Games at Illinois State, it was going to the old field house at, at Ball State. Um, mm-hmm. We would try to go to as many games together that we could. Uh, I remember we couldn't get tickets for Bowling Green, Michigan State, when Judd Heathcote and MSU came into the old box on on, on campus at, at BGSU. So we, we did Cardinal Varsity Classic, and we also saw Miami play Cincinnati on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just what we did growing up. I mean, just... I I went to a thousand games before I was ever in college uh, drawing the logos of all these teams. So I could go on and on about it, but yes, it was a big, big, big part of, of my Mm -hmm. upbringing.
0: So you mentioned obviously watching Northern Illinois growing up specifically and, and you talked about them being in the Mac, leaving the Mac, going back to the, I think it was the big West conference. Yep. yep, And then back to the Mac. Yeah. So that's, I mean, just to see them make that divisional jump, in such a short period, that had to be pretty wild. What, what did that, I mean, maybe, maybe you remember, maybe you don't, I know you were a kid, but as, as a fans, like how -hmm. frustrating was
2: that to kind of not know where they were going to be the next year? Mid eighties. Um, a lot happened there, uh, in DeKalb, um, Mm -hmm. with, uh, change of athletic directors and change of vision and, um, and where they thought that things were going to go. There was a time there, uh, where Northern thought that they could have been the ninth member of the Big Eight, um, mm-hmm. the Chicagoland market mm-hmm. and all that. It, it, it wasn't, I don't know how much traction it really had, but there was stuff written about maybe that could be a possibility. And remember, that was a time when Kansas and Kansas State was really in the infancy of, of trying to get their programs going in the right direction. So I guess you could say that you know Northern won the MAC in 1983. They might've been a little bit further along but there were so many other things that would have to happen, field house wise and, and stadium wise. But yeah, to leave the MAC, uh, to be independent, you know, the Big West. I remember listening to Bill Baker and Sid Simmons, uh, the, mm. the former color analyst. Mark Lindo has been on the broadcast for so long, and they were at Big West Media Day, and so you're you're learning about Arkansas State, Louisiana Tech, and New Mexico State, and San Jose State, and well, we used to be in a league with teams that were like right next door. Um, so it, it was different. And then the MidCon for basketball, that was a great time. You know, the, the women's teams at Northern were so, so good. And the North star conference, I, I remember games that were sold out against DePaul and and they mm-hmm. actually had brawls like fights Uh the, the, the rivalry is so strong. So, you know, it, it, it set the, the program back in a lot of ways, you know, there there were still some really good football teams there. know, Stacy Robinson and quarterback running the wishbone. And Mm -hmm. I remember there was a time they beat a a ranked Fresno state team. I'm never going to see a game like this again. I think 90 or 91, they beat Fresno state like 73 to 10. Oh, they could have scored even more. They had 700 yards of total offense in the game. Uh, But anyway, yeah, getting back to the Mac is where, where they needed to be. Uh, And it's been a good marriage, Um, you know, leaving the league in the eighties getting back in the Mm nineties. And now we're Northern's ad is pretty cool to see. And it's, it's cool to broadcast these games as well. At Ohio against NIU. And I get the question often, who am I rooting for? Well, of course I'm rooting for Ohio. I mean, I, I want Northern <laughs> to win every game they play sure. when they don't play Ohio. And I'm glad Naturally. Ohio got the win this past Saturday.
1: Naturally. Um, so back in the late 90s, early 2000s, you watched a player who we've become good friends with, Mets coach, Tom Samick. Yeah. You know, we, we've had him on the show a few times. And you know, talk to me about, because you guys know him as a coach. You know, what was he yeah. like as a player being able to watch him?
2: Yeah, he just hard, hard nosed. Um, just tough and physical and he was on some very important teams for Joe Novak and and Kerry Groth and the administration at Northern deserves a great deal of credit because they stuck with Joe Novak I was there and my parents were there I was a freshman at Northern when the 23 game losing streak ended Um, it was against Central Michigan it was Mm -hmm. was, um, a, a, a day that there was a lightning delay um, as well and and it was just one of the amazing things there in 1998 that the losing streak finally ended and Joe Novak got traction there and you know Thomas was a part of a, a team that you know beat uh, Wake Forest and um, so they they just really put it together to to launch what this current Husky program is all about now and and the hard way and and all of that yeah you're you're, you're talking to a guy and seeing a guy coach that was a player that, that laid a a very important foundation for what this program Northern program is right now. Um, And so as good of a person as you're going to find a tough year for the Huskies for sure. And and we saw that here in Athens this past Saturday, Uh, Ohio was a better team on Saturday, deserved Mm -hmm. the win, but, but I think that Thomas hammock embodies a great deal of what is right in college athletics in a lot of ways. And and you could disagree with some of the decisions that he makes coaching wise. And that's all fair game. That's that's part of this kind of stuff. But as a person, you just you can't quibble with the type of person he is and, and uh, how hard
1: uh, he played as a player. Mm-hmm. I mean, every time we've spoken to him, he's been nothing but just first class, just anything we want to talk about. He'll talk about. Like yeah. just and then and I didn't realize this until after I spoke to him the first time. Is you know I lived in Fort Wayne for five years. He went to high school in Fort Wayne, yeah. and so we knew yeah. the Lu- the Lures High School. He knew the Tin Caps and, and then the Comets. So it's like we got to talk about that kind of stuff and things. I'm sure he doesn't get to talk about a whole lot, you know, being at NIU.
2: Sure, and 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 that's the other part of it too. You know, at that time, uh, Joe Novak and and his staff putting together the 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 foundation of the program and doing it the right way. And so the success that Northern had, um, a lot of it was built on the shoulders of, of those types of players, of the Thomas Hammock and, and all the rest of the guys. So 2003 and beating Alabama, Iowa State, and Maryland doesn't happen unless Thomas Hammock and Joe Novak as, as player and, and coach get things going in the right direction. And, and that Northern team, they had 10 wins. There were three sellouts that year, um, ranked victories, that is the last 10 win team ever to not go to a bowl. That team didn't go to a bowl game. Um wow. and nowadays that's like, how is that possible? Well, yeah. that's just the way it was structured back then. Yeah. And and those were some good Mac teams now, the bowling green team that that beat them and and Toledo as well. So that was a good time for the Mac, and Northern was a big part of that then sure. too. And now, you know, and in, in my current occupation, in my current job. Um, that was an important time leading into Frank Solich being hired at Ohio in 05. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's um, it's really amazing to see the league growing up as a fan and being in it as a broadcaster as well. And it's a unique perspective for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, so how many times in your life have you have you had to explain what Saluki is to somebody?
2: Uh, a lot, a lot. So the the origins of the Saluki is one, and then uh, why the Saluki came to be for SIU for for two. Uh, long story short, uh, there was a drought in the Midwest. Southern Illinois was fertile and green, much like Egypt and Africa, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it was referred to as Little Egypt. And, and the Saluki is the oldest purebred dog in the world. It's one of the fastest animals in the world, the floppy-eared dog. And, and so going to school in Carbondale... Um, was not all that much different than, than what I saw in, in the foundations building Northern athletically. Because Jerry Kill was a head coach I worked with as a student broadcaster in Carbondale. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually just listened to a piece today of uh, when Southern broke an 18-game losing streak against Western Illinois. And that's how Jerry Kill and the Salukis, they, they started to, to gain some traction, right? And uh, turned into a heck of an FCS football program, mm-hmm. new stadium built and all that. I was there when Bruce Weber was the head coach, so I was so very fortunate to work for my mentor, Mike Reese, who's the voice at Southern, and be around great coaches like a Dan Callahan in baseball, and Jerry Kill in, in uh, football, and and Bruce Weber, and Chris Lowry, and Matt Painter in basketball.
1: Sure. Um, uh, Going back to the little high school here for a second, uh, we have a family friend of mine, Ken Leonard, the head coach of Heart Griffin.
2: Oh, and wow. talk about
1: the athletes in that whole part of Illinois it's just yeah. growing like crazy. I mean, he wins; he's the all-time winningest high school coach in Illinois history. Like, and his son coaches at Rochester, and so I mean, they battle each other every year in the playoffs to go to state. And just that whole area is just so incredibly blessed with so much high school talent right now. It seems, like. yeah.
2: So the the Springfield area and Sacred Heart Griffin and and, and Rochester, of course, uh, there too have produced a, a lot of not only Salukis but. Uh, when Southern played Western Illinois a couple of weekends ago, uh, I know that there were so many connected to that area in that program. And so when the game was played in Carbondale, there were so many uh, Springfield uh, folks down there in that part of central mm-hmm. Illinois. Um, and yeah, all the way through the state from from north to south, Rockford, all the way down to Cairo. There's there's so much that's in addition to Chicago um, that that's so awesome about uh, high school athletics and college athletics too. Mm-hmm. So
0: you you mentioned, you know, Southern Illinois and doing all of that. Did you, when you went to college, did you know that broadcasting was like your calling? Did you, what did you, did you figure that out in high school? What kind of made that click for you to, to say, this is what
2: I want to do with the rest of my life. I knew it, um, at four years old. Um, my father was a broadcaster and, um, uh, he, uh, grew up on the South side of Chicago, uh, went to Bowen high school. My mom's from the West side. Uh, mm-hmm. she went to, or, um, and so we have, we have ties to the city. I'm, I'm a suburban kid for sure, but you know, my grandfather had a, had a grocery store on South Indiana Avenue in the city. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm so fortunate to have all of that in my backstory, but growing up around college athletics, you see so many different people, mm-hmm. you know, I, it, it, and this is a tangent, but, if you're a racist, if you're if you're uh, um, anti any other sort of lifestyle or background or whatever else, you shouldn't be a fan of sports, because there are so many people from so many great backgrounds that that are in college athletics, and it's it should be uh, something to be celebrated. But anyway, so I I knew it very early on, and uh, going to games and um, you know talking into a tape recorder um, that my aunt Judy gave me when I was a little kid. And so my dad and I would do sports casts on Saturdays together. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there was a time there where, where uh, he might've uh, worked at night or my mom was, was working at night or whatever. We, there'd be times there where, where he's making dinner and I'd write down scores from the Mac or from mm-hmm. other leagues, whatever on a, on a football Saturday. And we would, I still have some of the tapes, um, do sports casts together. And you know my dad, um, he doesn't talk about it often, but he is, you know, he's an example of it. It just might not work in broadcasting. You know, he um, had a couple of chances broadcasting in Kentucky and Indiana, and he was the, the the runner up for the job at NIU. And um, you know, you got to decide: are you going to move forward in this business or not? So anyway, all that's to say that I knew very very early on. I would I would sit in a room and and do fake sportscasts or fake play-by-play. And, you know, I worked at a radio station, WJBC in Bloomington. I I grew up an Illinois State fan too. And I thought, gosh, it would be so cool if I was on WJBC. Well, I I was for a couple of years. And Mm -hmm. gosh, it would be so cool if I was a broadcaster in the Mac. Well, well, I have been for 15 years. And so all of that growing up was leading to this. Mm -hmm. I'm decently athletic. I'd like to think I'm I'm pretty athletic, but I, I don't know if I'm D1 athletic. (laughs) Uh, so uh, i worked in high school at at jewel uh uh, was a cashier and and bagger and and helped pay for a little bit of college and uh went to southern and was the best thing that that ever happened to me um probably was way too cocky for my own good um because i was 18 19 20 21 and doing a lot of really cool stuff locally and and for Mm -hmm. the school as well so just very very fortunate that i found it very early on and We'll see where it's all going to go, but um, yeah, it's, it's been the calling for sure. And uh, I, I think about that kind of stuff every time I'm on the air, every time I'm on the air that I, I give it my absolute best. Um, and, and we'll see where the, where the career goes in the future. Sure.
1: And it had to be really cool growing up in that Chicagoland area. Cause like I'm from Northern Indiana. So you, know, we, I get some of those channels every once in a while and you know, the, the Harry carries the Hawk Harrelsons, the guys on WGN every night you were getting a good show on TV or radio, no matter who was playing, you know, what the score was, it was always going to be an entertaining show.
2: Yeah. I I grew up a Brewer fan too. Long story short on that is my grandmother uh, grew up in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. uh, And so my, my dad and and his uh, oldest brother, uh, his, uh, his brother, Stanley, my uncle Stanley uh, they would go see the Braves play in Milwaukee at old County stadium. Mm -hmm. And for kids from the city going up to Milwaukee in that just Valley Menominee Valley is where the old ballpark, was and, and now American Family Field is, um, he just fell in love with with Milwaukee. So this is pre-internet, right? So back when there weren't some really good Brewer teams, we would have to search around the house to find the reception to get six twenty WTMJ out of Milwaukee. I, we listened to the first Brewers no hitter ever in nineteen eighty seven, Juan de Avis and the Brewers, when the radio was on the kitchen curtain, like that was the only spot it would come in in the house. Sometimes would come in in the bathroom, so like I would read the the newspaper while listening to the Brewers and Mariners for like an August game that had no bearing on whatsoever. But I'm listening to Bob Uecker and Pat Hughes at the time, um, and that that was all part of it as well, you know. So yeah, um, fortunate to have my dad's background in broadcasting, teaching me about it, listening to some really really good broadcasters. Mm-hmm. And then guys that are not as publicized, you know, um, uh, guys in the Valley that have uh, been doing it for a long, long time. And again, my mentor at Southern. So uh, very fortunate to have a a great education by listening
1: and watching some really, really talented guys. Mm -hmm. Talk about Bob Euchre. So you grew up listening to him, the new Watchmen Major League. My all time favorite movie. And uh, I mean, that's gotta be a little okay. This is okay. This is just an actor. We're good. We're good. Yeah, on this one.
2: It, and that was part of it too, because yeah. as as a brewer fan, you heard him broadcast, mm-hmm. and and the Euchre would come out in stories and whatever else, but but he was broadcasting the game, mm-hmm. and then you saw him on Mister Belvedere, and and you saw him in Major League, and you saw Euchre being the 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 Hollywood euchre uh, Mm -hmm. and going on the Johnny Carson uh, uh, late night show. Uh, But Brewer fans heard him just in a press box in Baltimore or Mm -hmm. in Comiskey park or wherever he was, he was the Brewers guy. And Oh, by the way, he's also a national celebrity as well, which was, which was a really cool juxtaposition of, uh, of ways to see the same person. Mm -hmm so
0: you so obviously you finish out college you you've you've grown up you've listened to all these guys you you make a transition to the studio in for the new orleans hornets when they were hanging out in oklahoma city due to hurricane katrina talk about your time there and how invaluable that was for you moving from oklahoma city to getting to being the voice of of a school of of ohio
2: specifically it was um it was such a an amazing time and a heartbreaking time too, because the reason why I got that job was because of uh, hurricane Katrina. Mm -hmm. Um, I was working in Bloomington, Illinois, uh, at the time and, and, um, uh, had a parting ways with the station that I was at. And so, um, you know, Katrina hits and, and I'm a, I'm a weather nerd too. I'm a geography nerd as if I need more things to be nerdy about. I've got a lot of them. Um, but anyway, I, I'm also an emotional person too, um, and you can hear that on the air. I, I hope, but uh, my heart just broke for all the people that were going through so many just tough times in in uh, Louisiana and Mississippi and the Gulf Coast. And Sean Kelly is a fellow Saluki. He's now the play-by-play voice at, at Florida, the voice mm-hmm. of the Florida Gators. And uh, <clears throat> but anyway, um, he uh, got the job. He was two lanes guy. Then he got the job as a play-by-play guy for the Hornets. And um, when they were piecing together the network in Oklahoma City, there wasn't a whole lot of time to to quibble about things. Like, they needed something. They needed it. Now, where are we going to go to find somebody? Hey, you know, Sean gave me a call. And uh, I, I moved out to Norman. We, we lived uh, in Norman. Um, and piecing the, the NBA network together was amazing. They had to piece together a network in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. but also continue the network in Mississippi and Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And that was the NBA audition for the city of Oklahoma City. And I think that they knew, and, and the hope was, obviously the Gulf Coast is going to get rebuilt, so they're going to go back. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe if they support the NBA team, Maybe there'd be an opportunity for an NBA team to come there. Well, unfortunately, um, Seattle uh, had to lose their team um, and it it went to Oklahoma City. This is not a commentary about how all that that went down. Mm -hmm. I think Seattle should have a team. I think Oklahoma City should have a team too. And so there's heartbreak kind of all over this story, right? But anyway, so I'm 25, 26, 27 years old. And I'm a part of an NBA broadcast, which is just mind-blowing to me. Um, I probably made more money at 27 than I do at 42, right? Um, <laughs> but there, all, the, all the options that were there, we started a talk show there uh, on a sports radio station there. Um, and uh, did a lot of additional add-on stuff and uh, to host a monthly TV show and, and to be around um, you know, the broadcasters in the league. You know, Spiro Didis was at the time the, the Lakers announcer and um, Brian Seaman, the voice of, of the Clippers now. And mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, Joe Tate is as, as the play by play voice of the of the Cavs. Um, mm-hmm. So to be around all those broadcasters, interview them, you know, be around practices. Byron Scott was the head coach. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Chris Paul's first couple of years in the NBA, you know, but but still seasoned veterans like a P.J. Brown and, and, and others. Um, it was just an amazing time. Uh, because there were so many nba dignitaries that would come in you know willis reed is is almost a a paul bunyan-esque figure in the nba Mm -hmm. right running out of the locker room like willis reed well willis reed was somebody that i would talk to at practices all the time he was really my my friend at that time right so just all the things that happened there the city was just so alive and and i do think oklahoma city and oklahoma is just a great area and Uh, It was a whirlwind for sure. But at that time, if you wanted to be a play-by-play guy, you had to go do play-by-play. The game's changed a little now. Um, Where where play-by-play experience, I don't think is as important to some teams or or schools as we thought that it might have been. And so I asked the director of broadcasting with the Hornets, I said, what do you think? I want to be an NBA play-by-play man because I think basketball is my best sport. And he said, my friend, Lou Schumann, a uh, guy from the East Coast, director of broadcasting, you want to do play-by-play, you got to go do play-by-play. So I made $18,000 and was the play-by-play voice at Idaho State University for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the AD, Paul Bubb, who's now the AD at Western Illinois, very good guy. And he hired me and went out there and I didn't care how much I made. I just was the voice for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that nerdy five, six, seven, 17 year old kid realized the goal that he always wanted to be the voice of a, of a department, a university. And, um, that ultimately led me to Ohio.
1: Sure. And it's pretty impressive too. I mean, you've been a Saluki, a Bengal, now a Bobcat.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Throw some Redbird in there too, for throw sure. And he's a Husky sure.
0: too, you know, Husky. Uh, but you go the back animals.
2: to you know, doing, doing games in, in high school in, in Southern Illinois, you know, Carbondale high school. Uh, mm-hmm. I approached those games like it was the NCAA tournament, man. I, I high school sports broadcasting is hard. It's just mm-hmm. hard, right? Yeah. That the fields aren't lined all that well. The lighting isn't great. The rosters not, might not be accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's settling in on the foundation of time and score. Where's the ball on the field or, or, or floor? And if you, if you get that right, you can, you can start branching off to do all the other things right, hopefully. Mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm not saying I do everything right, but I'd like to think I've got a pretty good idea of, of what works and how good broadcasting should be done, thankfully. Sure. And that stuff of being a Bengal, being a Redbird, being a, a Carbondale Terrier, being an Eldorado Eagle uh, has led me to be the voice of the Bobcats sure. and, and maybe beyond, mm-hmm. you know, to, to be a pro voice, be a power five voice, uh, sure. someday.
1: Now I did to get a laugh when see- you mentioned high school being so hard because I did it for a number of years and now it's, you know, all the fans have cowbells and those <laughs> right. just yeah. ring the headphones and it's like, okay, yeah. because it's going to be a Friday night. You're going to be facing the sun as the sun goes down. Sure. Your know, early season August September it's gonna be hot. You have that window open. Mm-hmm. Uh, cowbells are going off. The mom and grandma are screaming down here. It's like oh I, my gosh!
2: Like doing a game at Mississippi State, huh?
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's, that's gonna be. Imp- I mean, it's impressive. It's sure absolutely I, it's, it is. High school is tough, and it it, is. but it's fun. Yeah, I mean, because mm-hmm. I was able to do. I did football, basketball, baseball, some softball. I did a wrestling match once. Oh just, wow! Just, I did it? I mean, did anybody listen? I don't know, but it was fun and it was interesting. We've done volleyball, all that, and it's just so fun to do so many different things because you, you learn so much,
2: and that's the stuff. And again, I, I fall back. I, I don't know if "nerd" is the right word. I just, I just love the fact that local radio is still a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, for so long, I've heard, "Well, it's going away. It's going away." Well, local news, um, and local sports, I believe, keep small town local radio um, alive. and mm-hmm. and it means something to somebody. You know, I, I when I'm at Ohio, I would do the same type of broadcast if I were at ohio state. Mm-hmm. i I do some of the same things that I did, you know, doing high school stuff in central Illinois that I do now. that it, it's important to someone, so you better do your best for that someone. and mm-hmm. And then obviously, you know, on the pros, the audience is is so large and at, you know, schools that have a fan base, it's so large, but you've got to think about those people. Mm -hmm. You know, I broadcast the way that I do to try to do my absolute best to inform and entertain. And now social media allows you to get all that stuff out there. Mm -hmm. And that's the cool stuff about your podcast too. You're getting Mac fans excited, informed, and entertained about all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's why getting the stuff out before the broadcast. Like, you know, we, when Ohio plays Buffalo, I want our fans to be the most knowledgeable about the bulls program, and about the players so that they enjoy the game that they're going to watch or listen to. Mm-hmm. And it, and it all goes back to, all right, if you're broadcasting in high school, college or the pros, think about who you're doing it for and why. And if you don't think about that kind of stuff, then you should get out of it mm-hmm. because that's the stuff that matters the most.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I I wanted to rewind just a little bit back to your NBA days. You also yep. spent some time doing some minor league baseball. Yeah, talk about a world of difference from going to an NBA court to a right. a short season single class, uh, class A, yeah. uh, minor league baseball. How what was that like?
2: Um, I think back to that, and I think, well, how did I actually get that approved to be able to do it? Um, because during the time there, I I was, I was starting a a radio show and, um, you know, maybe I should have given more thought to, to everybody involved. I I don't know if 42 year old Russ would, would do the same things that I did at 25 Mm -hmm. because there were more people involved back then. And, you know, my, my broadcast partner on the show, Dave Garrett, who, uh, was the voice of the Cowboys, um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, So he, he'd done some great stuff before too. And so was that the right thing to do or not? I I don't know. Um, but it was an amazing experience. Um, but again, it goes back to, I gave it everything I had in the NBA. I'm going to give everything I have doing minor league ball. And it was so awesome. Mm -hmm. Like bull Durham Mm -hmm. is a, not a hundred percent, um, good reflection of of what minor league life was like, but it's not far off now. I mean you've you've got ballparks and hotels and buses and bars, and you (laughs) you kind of rinse and repeat that for at that time was you know 76 games in 80 days or something like that. Sure. Sure. But it was such an awesome thing because I Gosh, I, I'm just adding to my nerd count here, but <laughs> I grew up going to games in the Midwest League. So every star in the Midwest League, from I, I don't know the early '80s on to I guess maybe 2000, we saw in the Midwest League as Brewer mm-hmm. fans. We go to Beloit, uh, we go to Clinton, Iowa, we go to Cedar Rapids and mm-hmm. uh, King County. Um, yeah. And so I saw, you know, Kirby Puckett and Albert Pujols mm-hmm. and A Rod and. Sure. Prince Fielder and, and and all those players. But um, doing minor league ball, I thought would be so awesome. So Eugene, Oregon, 2006, 2007. And uh, Northwest League and going to Vancouver, which was awesome. The, the team hotel is purposely uh, south of downtown so that it could possibly deter folks from going out.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you everybody just kind of collects money and you you tip the bus driver and then he drives you into downtown and drop as hey, as long as they make curfew as long as you're doing whatever, um, hey, don't get locked up, you're, you're all right. but but it, that, that's that was the balance of broadcasting and and burning the candle at both ends. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the, the ballparks, the experiences, the other broadcasters, um, I always wanted to sing the Canadian national anthem before a game, and I did uh, before a game in Eugene. I actually um, sang it to uh, uh, the Vancouver announcer beforehand, just so I could sing it to a real live Canadian before actually doing it on the field. Sure. Uh, and yeah, Doug Dessenzo was one of the managers of the team, former Cub, and yep. um, so there's so many things that you see off the field, on the field, but it was just an awesome grind of, of a couple of summers there. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, there are stories that I shouldn't tell on air, uh, <laughs> but there are other stories that that you can tell on air. And it was just an amazing experience. That was in Eugene's old ballpark, which burned down. Actually it was old warden ballpark civic stadium. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, the noise that emanated from there. Um, I still, still remember, uh, the banging on the, on the wooden seats and, and how fun it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just so cool to paint that picture, and that's why I still do baseball today. Sure, I, I sure. do do our baseball here as well, and and I'd like to think that baseball uh, I do do well. But to get to the big leagues is like winning the lottery.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and there are yeah. so many good minor league announcers that will never do a game in the big leagues. I know that. Yeah, uh, but there there are a lot of good ones out there.
1: It's funny you talk about the middle, Midwest League. I grew up going to South Bend Silverhawks games. Yeah. And so then I moved to Fort Wayne with the tin caps who used to be the wizards back in the day. Right. And so, but I did my internship in college with the mud hens and the walleye. Oh, nice. And so yeah. you talk about the minor league experience and working in it to, to this day, I say it's the greatest job I ever had because it's, it's minor league baseball. It's just so much fun. The people are excited to be there. There's always something going on Yeah. because I was in the marketing and promotions. So I was, I was throwing the t-shirts and the hot dogs in the crowd. I was in the mm-hmm. costume running around the race and running around the track. Like, it's just a different vibe, and it was just like I said. I'll, today I die, I'll tell people that was the greatest job I ever had.
2: It's an interesting dynamic too, because the the guys um, and and now uh, girls in the dugout, trainers, uh, medical people, all of that. It's it's a your the result matters more to them mm-hmm. and to the broadcaster probably than it does to anybody else in that ballpark, right? So you've got this dichotomy. Between, yes, it's a show, it's entertainment, but it's also a livelihood and and, and the result matters to uh, certain people there. And that's why it's an interesting juxtaposition of those types of emotions of, yeah, it's a fun time for the fans and T-shirts and all that. Mm-hmm. Well, this shortstop needs to get a couple of hits going here or else he's thinking about his future, right? So mm-hmm. um, there's a lot to it and minor league baseball teaches you a whole lot about life.
1: About mm-hmm. broadcasting and about sports in general. Yeah, yeah. I remember I was in the dugout once with uh, Ezekiel Carrera when he got called up, and like he was just—he didn't speak any English, but he was just so excited. He was this little short outfielder who was just so excited to hop on 75 and go north to Detroit. It was one of the coolest things I think I ever saw up there.
2: And and that's why I talked about earlier about the 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 backgrounds. Um, I remember I, I interviewed. One of our players who had never heard his his voice on on tape or on a computer before, mm-hmm. because he didn't speak English, right? So I had another player translate, mm-hmm. and I kind of laid it together on a multi-track editing. Uh, played to Fort Luis Durango is the player's name, and mm-hmm. might have had a cup of coffee. I think in the big leagues with the Padres, but but anyway, it was that kind of stuff where you realize. Yeah. There, there are way more people in this world that love sports that are in this than just somebody that might be of my background. Right. And, and, and to make days special for them, um, is pretty cool too. And, and that's why fans like I've got some Idaho state fans, um, that still listen to everything that I do here. Mm -hmm. Right. You you just never know how you're going to touch somebody's lives and, and they're, they're good people. Um, uh, Kalina West and her mom, listen in Mackie, Idaho. I know they're always going to be there. They're going to listen to this podcast too. I know it. Um, but the impact that you might be able to have on folks in college athletics and broadcasting is just is just amazing.
0: So you've wrapped up your time in the Northwest. You've done you've done everything over there. Ohio, you you come back to the land of Maction, the the Midwest, and you get, you get to Athens for your first year. Talk about that first year, you know, what, what kind of responsibilities you had, things you were doing. Did you feel you were prepared, you know, just kind of talk about that first year in Athens.
2: Well, I found out about the job. I was actually in Cleveland, um, yep. at the time, just, just there, you know, I a uh, a buddy of mine and I lifelong friend, Danny Schwab, he's probably going to listen to this podcast too. Um, we just, got out of town and we were like, well, we haven't gone to a game at then Jacobs field, Mm -hmm. now progressive field. And so we're like, all right, well, they're playing the reds. So let's just go battle Ohio, right? The fabled Ohio cup that everyone in this state just, just dreams about, right? AJ and I talk about the Ohio cup
0: quite regularly. I'm a reds fan. He's a Cleveland fan. So it's a, it's one of our things too.
2: (laughs) It is. It is so cutthroat. You could, you could feel it. Sure. No, I, I, it's, it's a rivalry <laughs> for sure now th- with interleague baseball, but, but anyway, I, I kid it, it, um, uh, we were there and, uh, I had heard that, that Warren Swain, the previous voice at Ohio was retiring mm. and, um, he was actually a Drake, uh, doing men's basketball when I was in Bloomington normal doing, um, Illinois state pre and post and talk show. So I would known him. Um, mm-hmm. I'd interviewed him before, but anyway, uh, this was what, July? Yeah. Um, and I thought, gosh, that's late. You know, I could go back to Idaho State, but they know that I'm, I'm looking, so it's cool. And uh, applied and thought, man, play-by-play voice in the Mac. One of the few places in the Mac that i had never gone before. Mm-hmm. I, I'd been to Ypsilanti and, and Kalamazoo and, and Mount Pleasant and Oxford and Toledo and Bowling Green and, and, and all that sure. before, but I'd never been to Athens before. I'd just seen it on TV mm. or heard games from there. And I remember when I was first driven in towards campus and I thought, oh my gosh, what a beautiful place this is. Really. Um, it was, uh, what, end of July, but it was a bright, sunshiny day and you see the convo and you see Peden Stadium. And, and I knew then why this place is so special Mm. to Bobcats. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's, there's a commonality, a common thread between Salukis and Bobcats because Salukis are so incredibly prideful. Um, But, but I don't know. And it's a beautiful campus Carbondale. It's beautiful. Um, I don't know if it's as beautiful as Athens, but it's beautiful. But so there were a lot of uh, common threads between SIU and, and, and Ohio. Uh, salukis love to have fun bobcats love to have fun (laughs) um and so i thought gosh this is a natural i've got to get this like this is so much me well turned out i got it and um chad brinker was a a former bobcat football player he was going to be uh the the analyst well, he had another job that was kind of evolving and, and he couldn't do it anymore. And so leading into the season, I didn't have an analyst. Well, anyway, I had met Rob Cornelius at a party in Charleston, West Virginia in 2003 during the three months that I worked there. Rob's a, a West Virginian and Bobcat. And I heard the name like somebody had mentioned him. And I was like, gosh, I know that name. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway it was the guy that I was talking about Mac basketball with at a party in 2003 around a blender in Charleston, West Virginia. I thought, man, this guy knows about Bonzi Wells and he oh, yeah, sure. knows about, you know, Mac basketball and football. That's him. <laughs> well, anyway, our first game together was, uh, at Wyoming and I, I wore a suit for every game back then. Mm-hmm. um, And I, it was like 90 degrees in Laramie. It was a close loss. Ohio, I think lost like 31, 30 or something like that. That was a, that was a good 08 team that only had four wins. Mm -hmm. But anyway, all of that was how I thought that being a voice should be was what I wanted to establish in year one. And it was different than what a lot of Bobcat fans had ever heard before. So I got flack. Because it was different, right? Well, now the different is, I think, what's what's accepted, what's mm-hmm. expected, right? The production, the Rob and I talking about what we're wearing, uh, talking about where we go in these Mac towns. And oh, by the way, you're going to get everything you need to know in the broadcast. So the foundation of it all was laid in that 08 season. And, and thankfully, Rob has enjoyed this enough to want to continue doing it with me. And we're... We're different people, but the commonality, again, is we love good broadcasting, mm-hmm. we love sports, and we want to do our absolute best. And, and the Russ and Rob with Bobcat football and basketball is, I, I hope, turned into a pretty special thing, and, and he's a big part of it.
1: Yeah. And take me back to 08. Oh, you know, you're sitting there, you're new to OU, and you talk to Frank Solich for the first time. I mean, he's a guy who was known all throughout college yeah. football. Ball. Larger you than know, at that time, he probably still should have been the head coach in Nebraska. If right. he has Nebraska fans, he still should have been their head coach. Yeah. But talk talk to me about that first conversation with him—a guy who's so knowledgeable about the game, who probably has stories to last a lifetime.
2: Sure. Um, well, the first interaction I had with him was on the interview, um, and I'm I'm in a, a suit and I'm brought up to his office at Peden Stadium, and I thought, oh my gosh, I I'm gonna. I'm going to interview with Frank Solich. Like, what is he going to ask me? Like, what does he want out of his broadcaster? And I'm young and brash. And this is what I really feel broadcasting should be. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm an Uber outgoing extrovert. Frank would say, and I'm not, I'm not saying anything that he wouldn't say. I I don't think he's that extroverted. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was worried about that. Like, how is he going to, perceive me like my emotion my excitement my exuberance and and he's you know very much um old school um i don't he doesn't let his emotions show often right that's why it was so cool to see him this past weekend just mm-hmm. an ear-to-ear smile when the when the field was dedicated for him um but we just talked about i remember it about how i broadcast about you know any gaining the trust of, of him and and his program. Um, and it just kind of evolved from there, right? You, you don't realize when you do a radio show with someone of legendary status, necessarily every time that he's a legend, right? Mm -hmm. He's, he's a guy that's a head football coach who's in a chair next to you doing an hour radio show. But then you kind of realize, man, this guy is a legend and he's mm. forgotten about more football than I'll ever know. So sometimes we, we, would have talks about how I ask a question and was that fair or not? And, you know, I still think to this day about some of the things that we talked about, about how I handled some of those early years. Um, and me still doing it and me, hopefully getting better at it in some ways can be attributed to how I covered, uh, those early, you know, Frank Solich teams, and then it was just so amazing to call the bowl victory in in Boise in 2011, mm-hmm. right? And the the juxtaposition—I've used juxtaposition like a all Mac level here, like <laughs> set a record for juxtaposition. It's a record but, on the
0: show, that's for sure.
2: <laughs> but that so 11 season. Think about this: growing up a Northern fan, okay, Ohio's up at halftime, 20 to nothing on NIU. And if Mm -hmm. folks ever wanted to know how I would handle a situation of Ohio playing Northern, listen back to the exuberance, the euphoria for the Bobcats being on top of Northern at halftime, and then the utter despair at the end of that game when there was a field goal Mm -hmm. to win Northern's first MAC title since 1983, you could hear Rob and my heart's breaking on the air. And then, oh, by the way, my parents are on the field. I see them after the game celebrating a victory and I'm up in the booth and, and there wasn't much Husky in me on that night for sure. Cause I was just so heartbroken for Frank Solich, those players, this program. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the old, ult- that's the coup de gras right there. Like how does Russ handle it? That's how Russ handled it. And, mm-hmm. and, um, the same way goes to how I handled the win over NIU this past Saturday. Right. I'm, I'm thrilled for this team. I'm thrilled for these players. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting seeing Frank build this program. Oh nine. They won an East title, lost to central Michigan 11. Mm-hmm. were in the Mac championship. And then that happened. Um, and I just wish for Frank in this program and for these players and these fans that, that they could just somehow get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, because this school deserves it, this program deserves it, deserves it. Frank deserves it, Tim Albin hopefully deserves it too. And yeah. it's going to happen one of these days, it's going to happen for him. And, sure. and I hope Northern wins more championships too, but I, I want these Bobcats to experience it as well. Mm-hmm.
0: That drought has gone on far too long for Ohio. The longest in the MAC, I think, since, what, 68?
2: 1968, and, yeah. and Ohio is the last charter member left mm-hmm. in the league. It, it was Ohio in 46, then Miami and Western Michigan. Yeah. Um, in the league in, in 47. So, yeah, but anyway, roundabout to answer your question about Frank, uh, a legend. Um, I, I, I think back to it and, and I just, uh, am in awe of the fact that I was able to call years of his coaching work. And, sure. uh, it's cool that he's getting the recognition that he's getting now because he deserves it. Uh, Hopefully goes into the college football hall of fame. Mm -hmm. Um, And he'll be honored at Nebraska, I think, uh, in the future as well. So yeah, it's all great
1: stuff being around Frank. Sure. And we were supposed to interview him. And then he retired a day before. This was last year's media day. And so we we had talked to Jeremy Guy. He he goes, give us a list of people you want to talk to. And right. and Coach Solich was the he's our still our number one. He's, yeah he was, he was our number one. That I've had. got
0: that list still. And yeah, he was like highlighted this. Is, and we I put it in the email to Jeremy. Frank is like the guy we want to talk to. I mean, we want to talk to everybody else if we can. Frank's the guy because we knew that like. His time was coming to a close. We didn't yeah. think it was going to be, you know, that week, yeah. um, but we we knew his time was coming to a close. So we said, "Jeremy, this is the this is the one guy we want to talk to." And we had him ranked above the commissioner. We're like, "We want to talk to Frank Solich." Sure. And then, uh, and then the announcement comes, and we're like,
2: "Well, what do we do?" <laughs> yeah, that was such a, a, a an interesting time, a crazy time. Yeah. Um, and, and it's good to see Tim Albin and this staff get their footing this year and and have Mm. meaningful games here in November. Um, and I think Frank, you know, we interviewed him when we did the Penn state special, we did a show from Penn state before the game there, and we had him on the air and, and I think as time goes on for Frank, for sure. And and hopefully his health continues to be good. Mm. Um, that he, I, I think enjoys doing the radio stuff. I haven't asked him, but I think he enjoys doing it more now than maybe he did as a head coach. Uh, but he, he's, he's a, he's a more fun person than he would publicly admit to. I think (laughs) I, I, it's, it's fun to get a good, uh, uh, ear to ear sort of grin Mm -hmm. from Frank. And that's how, you know, that, that, uh, he, he's really enjoying it. And, uh, hopefully you guys do get a chance to talk to him because
1: he's a good person and and a legend for sure. And you talked about, OU this season, you know, playing meaningful games here the next month. Let's kind of get into this. OU team there five and three on the year, three and one of the conference. But the big step that, you know, kind of catches my eye is four and zero oh at home. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's and and the,
2: the tone was set in week one. Okay. Mm-hmm. That the, the, the thought was, all right, barring an upset, you know, you've got two power five games that you're going to play and, and you'd love to upset Iowa state or Penn state, but, Realistically, it would take an upset, right? So right. the toss up game, even though as an FCS guy, I knew that the Fordham game would be hard, and man was it. Um, you know, but Ohio got some breaks that they probably deserved in that game. There was a drive for Fordham where penalties took him out of the mix, and Ohio scored and won the game late. Well, that F- FAU game was the tone setter because that was all right, can you be two and two in non con, barring the upset against a uh, uh, power five? And then you roll into the league. And this year, we could talk about the strengths or weaknesses of the league. There are wins that are going to be presented to teams that, that are wanting to climb in the standings, right? Yep. Um, and Ohio here in the middle of the year has lined up important games against Buffalo, against Miami, against Ball State, against Bowling Green. And so there's something to it. I, the day that we're taping this podcast, I, I went to practice, interviewed Kai Caesar. Defensive mm-hmm. lineman who is just such a good guy on and off the field. Sure. But anyway, he talked about going um, undefeated at home this year and having a chance to go 5-0 and against Buffalo, 6-0 and against hopefully Bowling Green later in the year. Um, but it starts at home. The Frank Solich field designation, I think, resonates with these guys. Um, and the defense is starting to come around. And that started on the road against Western Michigan. So now Ohio's won, what, three in a row? And um, the offense is there. There are more weapons from the wide receiving position, and hopefully the team stays healthy. Defense is coming around, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it starts at home, and it started at home on opening night.
1: Sure. You mentioned defense. You have Key Thompson on the year, 33 solo tackles, leads team through eight games. But he has guys behind him, the Bryce Houstons, the Tariq Drakes, the Jack McCroys. Yeah. everybody's playing sound defense and they're not allowing, you know, the deep, the big play, you know, like, like, I guess they did against Ford, you know, but that quarterback was it, uh, what was his name? Tim. Tim uh,
2: Demorat, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, he was, he's no slouch. He, he's he, an he NFL quarterback.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the, the numbers are what they are Yeah. and they're not going to change overnight. Right. So you look total defense still last in the league. Okay. Um, But if you look the last couple of weeks here, Ohio held Western Michigan on their homecoming to 14 points and none in the second half. Ohio held Northern to 17 points after they scored over 30. Now, Lombardi did play at Eastern Michigan. But this is a very fast, very athletic, very good front seven that Kai's a part of. Vonnie Watkins is coming around. Man, did he make some plays the last couple of weeks. And then the secondary, you know, the, the Alvin Floyds, the Tariq Drakes, the Justin Burchettes, and, and others. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a better defensive unit than the total numbers indicate. And the last couple of weeks here show that. And, mm-hmm. and that's why this is going to be interesting against Buffalo. Um, how's Ohio's run defense going to be? The, the yards that Northern got was largely because of the run, and that's all they had. So they, they, they got some yards that way. How is Ohio going to fare against probably a more balanced Buffalo team
1: uh, mm-hmm.
2: that that has a couple of good wide receivers, Eastern Michigan transfer, Louisville transfer? Uh, but the defense has come around for sure.
1: Yeah. And that Buffalo game is going to be so interesting because Alex and I were able to see Eastern and Buffalo this year. Yep. And, you know, Cole Snyder is no joke. He can sling the rock. Mm-hmm. and He has weapons around him. So it's going to be a real tough test for OU. Totally the Washington's agree. of the world. And, 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 and that, that's, that's going to be a fun one
2: Yeah. And and that's why whoever wins this one, they're going to deserve having a leg up in this East race. And that's the fun part now, too, because, all right, you you could debate midweek, Saturday, whatever else. Bottom line is we've got a game to cover. I've got a game to broadcast. And just from the the, looking at the X's and O's um, and the setup, this is a fun one to have because you've got two teams that have designs on winning the league, winning the division first, but winning the league. And then if Ohio survives and advances, you've got another one against Miami. And then another one against Ball State, who's probably better than, with the exception of Cardinal fans, <laughs> other people in the league might have thought that they would be, right? So meaningful games here at the end of the year. that That's important and that's fun.
1: Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you I mean, mentioned- I'm, I'm a Ball State guy, so they, they've surprised me a little bit this year. So sure. But sure. they've been fun to watch.
0: You You talk about those meaningful games and just how it's, you know, win, win in advance. I mean, it almost feels very NCAA tournament ish. Um, it's very much, Hey, you got a chance to still achieve everything you want. And I think a lot of people, um, us kind of included kind of wrote off Ohio a little bit after that close game with Fordham, because it's, because that was just such a, why are, why are we, why are we as a conference struggling with FCS opponents? And so to see like Toledo go out and beat long Island to see Kent state dominate Long Island, but then to see Ohio struggle with Fordham, to see Bowling Green lose to eastern Kentucky in seven overtimes, to see Buffalo lose to Holy Cross. Um, I mean, same thing. I, you know, being a Toledo guy, I kind of wrote Buffalo off after the Holy Cross. And I I said, we're gonna go in, we're gonna win by three scores. And uh and obviously that was not the case last week against Buffalo.
2: Well but that I, was that was nuts. Well think about this. Holy cross and Fordham were the preseason one and two in the Patriot League. Mm-hmm. Right, And they're having tremendous years. Yeah. Um, and that Fordham team would do that same thing mm-hmm. against a lot of Mac schools. Yeah. Um, and so there are teams in the Valley, you know, the middle to upper half of the Missouri Valley conference would be very competitive against teams from the Mac uh, this mm-hmm. year and, and a lot of years. So, yeah, I, I get it. And, and luckily and thankfully for Ohio, they, they rebounded from that. They got the win that day. Mm-hmm. And I think they know that they they beat a pretty good team, regardless of classification. Sure. And then you roll that into to um, the MAC opener and going overtime against Kent State. Um, you know, really, uh, Ohio was could be undefeated right now. Yeah. And they survive surviving advance. If Buffalo wins this one, that's going to make it really hard for Ohio because they'd have to lose out. Ohio would have to win out. So sure. take mm-hmm. care of business for the Cats, and we'll see what happens.
1: Sure. Talk to me about Curtis Rourke this year. You know, last year he only played ten games. You know, he was a little quarterback battle last year. But he's come in this year. He's thrown for over twenty four hundred yards, eight t- with sixteen touchdowns, three interceptions. You know, he had seven interceptions in ten games last year. So he's really cut that number in half. What are you seeing from the press box? You know, you coach Albion's been in the program, so he knows him. But is he, it is he still getting comfortable with the new head coach? Is it new verbiage? What have you seen this year out of uh, Curtis?
2: I think it's just he's just getting better. In, in every area, right? He he's, he's finding his windows, um, uh, better. He he's, he's throwing a, a better ball this year. He, his completion percentage has been outstanding. Didn't have that great of a completion percentage against NIU. Um, but you know, he's moving up the charts in uh, career and year wise in the top 10 in Ohio history for a mm-hmm. season and career in passing completions, passing yards and passing touchdowns. And in that, we thought that, all right, he's, he's going to be a better passer than he's a runner. Well, he had a 61-yard run against Northern Illinois at the end of the first half where the Husky should have had him. It was a third down play. Yeah. And he had a defender on his back, <laughs> and he just shrugged him off. And then he ran for 61. Like, it was an incredible thing to see. It was, it was Nathan Rourke running – in addition to Curtis Rourke's passing, and 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 Nate can spin it now. I mean, what we're seeing in the CFL, he's a really good passer, but yeah. you're you're combining a lot of really good stuff here. Plus, he's incredibly mature. He's very nice. I mean, I guess it's stereotypical. He's from Canada. So, you know, very, <laughs> very Canadian nice, but he is. I it was his birthday uh yesterday. So we're taping this on what, Wednesday?
0: Mm, yeah. It
2: was uh his birthday was October the twenty-fifth. Mm-hmm. And I sent him a text. I said, nobody's going to celebrate like you, you know, glass of milk and you're going to go to bed. <laughs> and uh, he said, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just him. You know, he's he, he's um, everybody's Canadian, now all American, much like Nathan Rourke was. And so fortunately, I get to see them as the as the people they are, too, and just know that the performance he has on the field, mm-hmm. he deserves because
1: he's a really, really nice guy as well. Sure. And, you know, he's benefited a lot this year too, having the Ohio State transfer and uh, Sam Wigglitz. He's yep. seven touchdowns on the year, and Bangra is having a, a, a year on the ground. I saw something to where he he's only lost like 16 yards going going backwards this year. That's incredible. And that's great for a quarterback.
2: Yeah, we, we thought, and I had Sam on the coach's show after the FAU win. Mm-hmm. and um he had two catches in that game and i remember rob and i at media day we were looking at the roster a little bit and, um we were thinking gosh well there are auditions here for playmakers and we thought well maybe this jacoby jones junior college transfer okay all right maybe miles cross is gonna come around maybe james bostick's gonna come around and and this this sam wigless guy you know he's ohio state and veteran and what can he do? Well, he's, he's done a lot, and he's sure-handed. It's, it's almost as if, and I said this to him in the postgame after the Northern win, I said, it, it's rare to see you drop a ball. Like, even tougher catches, you just expect him to catch the ball, and he does, largely. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is, is a veteran presence, um, another one of those guys that, that sets a good example for, for everybody on the team. Uh, and he's been a guy, for sure, for Curtis Rourke and – Red zone situations and beyond. Mm-hmm. So with with
0: regards to, you know, obviously Ohio, everything's still on the table for them. I think that we've kind of covered that ad nauseum. I know we wanted to kind of talk to you about some of the really cool NCAA tournament things and sure. teams that you've uh, kind of covered uh, yeah. specifically that 2011, 2012 team. Oh. I think we, I think we all know where, where, uh, where the conversation's heading with that, just how magical was that season? You know, Ohio 29 and eight, 11 and five in the Mac. That was John Gross is what his fourth or fifth year in the, with his Ohio. Yeah, And uh, I mean, you just look at the talent that was on that team that, out of nowhere just you know dj cooper nick keller i mean these these guys are just incredible talk about that season and how special that was
2: that group felt like they were going to win every game that they played that group had this confidence and swagger about them um and it started with dj and and we kind of bonded a little bit because dj's from chicago and um, different part of, of, uh, the area than I, but we, we bonded over the fact that, all right, you know, a couple of Illinois guys here in, in Southeast Ohio and, and we're doing good things. And he was doing it as a player and me as a broadcaster. And, and it was just such a fun team to see because they had a toughness about them too. Now mm-hmm. I, I, you know, Reggie Keeley was a part of that team that isn't talked about very often, but, but he was a guy that could make plays and, and take contact and finish at the rim. And TJ hall was, was, was in that mix too. And, and Evo Baltic and, and his ability on the baseline and, and to shoot, mm-hmm. but DJ, when he had it in his mind that he could beat you, he was going to beat you for 40 minutes, largely yep. anywhere on the court. He'd pull up really anywhere but he could get to the rim. That little head nod, throw your head back at the timeline that we see now all the all over the place. Well, DJ was the first guy really to do that in the MAC. That if you were a fan as you guys are of other schools, you would look at him and be like that's not a foul. He's <laughs> acting right there. All right. <laughs> well, he take a little contact and throw. Gosh, throw it back a little bit, right? Well, anyway, that tournament run 2010 was different because it was so unexpected. Ohio had to win an overtime at Ball State, Mm -hmm. and then it just rolled from there. That was Armand Bassett, and that was Young DJ, but Mm -hmm. that was like, holy cow, this magic carpet ride's continuing, and it's going to end sometime, but wow, we're in the NCAA tournament, and wow, Ohio beat Georgetown? Well, 12 was different because when that matchup was drawn up, that was Trey Burke in Michigan. Yep. Um I went on, a sh- and I've never done this before. I went on a show in Michigan, a syndicated radio show in Michigan. I think it's still on the air now. Okay. And I said to the guy, a big booming voice guy, I said, this is a very good matchup for Ohio, and I would be surprised if Ohio doesn't win the game. Wow. I'd never – I'd never – now – when I was in college, that 01 02 SIU team to beat Texas Tech and then Georgia. Yeah. We had a confidence there against Bobby Knight and Texas. I I knew that team was special. Mm-hmm. And that was in Chicago. And I thought, all right, there are Saluki fans and Illini fans are going to be for us and we're going to win. Well, they did. And then they beat Jim Herrick in Georgia. Um, then this 12 run, it felt like that. Like, That team I felt was going to win. Then the second round, and that was South Florida. Mm -hmm. That was the Stan Heath, South Florida team. And a six or eight point lead in that game was like 18 or 28 because of the pace that they played, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Ohio's guts and toughness and that, that gross stare. Yeah, it, This is a podcast, so you can't see me doing it right now. But <laughs> but, but he had that kind of growl and snarl, which he's right. toned down a little bit at Akron, but he still does it a little bit. Mm. But anyway, that team emulated that. And, and again, back to the Bobcat fans having fun. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Nashville's a really fun town.
1: Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. So
2: um, combined with the St. Bonaventure fans, who are mm-hmm. a really good time too, I think Bobcat fans and, and Bona fans drank Nashville out of beer that weekend had to (laughs) because it was, it was just incredible. Well, Mm -hmm. so, and and then as a broadcaster to tell that story and to be in a suit and I'm in Nashville and it's NCAA tournament and all right, let's run back to the hotel and then let's go out right after that and let's do it again. It was just, it, it was so pardon the pun, but, hit all the right notes in music city. I mean, it was just, and then obviously I thought of the sweet Louie for the sweet 16. I, I mean, I thought about that like a week ago. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it, it, everything combined there from the team to the broadcast and and the fun that we had, and there wasn't a lot of sleep. And then to go to the sweet 16 and be in St. Louis, the, the town where the MVC tournament is and an important town for Saluki's for sure. It was like, it was a home game for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Worked out at the gym that I work out when I'm there. And at that time, there was a barbecue restaurant that that has ties to Southern Illinois that was open. So I went there for lunch and the game went to overtime and DJ Cooper shot, again, it's a podcast. So, but I you could see finger wise, guys, like Mm -hmm. this close. If it was just that far down on the backboard, it would have banked in and Ohio would have one of the greatest NCAA tournament shots in tournament history. Mm -hmm. But to take top seed in North Carolina, to overtime i mm-hmm. i've teared up on the air a couple of times mm-hmm. and when that team left that court on that night i teared up um because they gave it everything they had and and the bobcat fans were so awesome mm-hmm. and it was just so cool and then uh going out that night and just kind of decompressing was fun too but then we got on the plane and kind of figured that that john was was going to move on and and he did and you know did good things at illinois now he's at akron so it um it was a wild, wild,
1: wild March Madness ride. Sure. A couple of months ago, we had uh, Becky Burke on, the new head women's basketball coach at Buffalo. And you know, she was on one of those early Louisville teams that played in a national championship against UConn. Yeah. And she talked about that grind uh, the entire month of being a student athlete or being more of an athlete than yeah, student yeah. during that time, but how much fun that was. You know, They played UConn like three times that year, and <laughs> UConn didn't lose a game that year. And, and that was like early Maya Moore. And, and, and of course, Gino doesn't lose a whole lot of games to begin with. But she talked about the whole grind leading up to that national championship, just how much fun they had as a team. And I'm sure, you know, the media, the broadcasts all got to be a part of it as well, similar to what you did.
2: So part of that, too, was I convinced my boss, now the AD at High Point, Dan Hauser, that Rob and I needed to be at a hotel that was right by the arena, the team hotel. So in 10, we were lucky because I don't know how we won the the hotel lottery then, but we were in downtown Providence. Mm-hmm. I think Tennessee was out by the airport. Like okay. they didn't get to experience and Providence is a great town. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, I convinced my boss. I'm like, we've got to stay by the arena because, you know, press conferences and doing things down there and right. Well, if you're familiar with the layout of Nashville, Bridgestone mm-hmm. Arena is right on, on Broadway. Broadway. Yep. Well, our hotel was a block north of Broadway. Sure. So we had the best hotel of anybody in the NCAA tournament, right? Because you're burning the candle at both ends. I'm still doing all the production. And I, I remember I used a, a Rascal Flatts song uh, with, with the banjo uh, <laughs> for, for that. And um, uh, I, I think I used a Jason Aldean song, mm-hmm. which I can't do anymore because we don't have the rights to it. And I don't know if we... Did then but anyway sure. <laughs> um sure. but so you're doing all that and you're you're doing high level broadcasting and you're there in that moment and there are bobcats around and you're just having so much fun and oh by the way the team's winning and we get to stay yeah. I, I'll, I'll be forever in debt to those guys in that team because they got to create um just an incredible experience not only for for me and for rob yeah. but for bobcat fans all over and that ride yeah. man it it was It was a green carpet ride for sure. Mm -hmm. Did you have that same feeling in 21 knocking off Virginia? It was different then because it didn't feel like the NCAA tournaments of the past, right? Mm -hmm. So you were so locked into the game that you didn't have a lot of the other stuff that you're necessarily worried about, right? Mm -hmm. That team was so good. But we, so Rob and I, we called the championship. From the convo, because hmm. of that time and and so because of space and cleaning and Covid, we there was no broadcasting from from oh, the arena cool. in Cleveland. Oh, okay. Right. So so Rob and I broadcasted that championship game from the convo. Wow. We're in an empty thirteen thousand seat arena. I wore a shirt and tie just just for tradition. I asked Jason Farmer our facilities guy. I'm like, "Look, hey, there there are rims out here. If Ohio wins, can I pull a ladder out for Rob and I to cut down a net?" And he said, "Yeah, sure, knock yourself out." <laughs> And if I told that story on the air, people would be like, Oh no, you're jinxing it. What do yeah. you, that broadcaster jinx, which yeah. doesn't exist. <laughs> <If> <laughs> Thank I you for
0: clarifying that. <laughs> that.
2: If I had all the power, do you think I'd be doing this? I mean, this is fun and I'd probably do a podcast with you anyway, but, but so anyway, we're at the convo and that was probably one of the more emotional broadcasts I've ever had in my life. Cause it's sure. COVID right. Everything's happening. And, And there's nobody there, but, but our, our people at Winston Salem did such a great job in our headsets. We had the crowd, mic, perfect, Mm -hmm. absolutely perfect. And so in our headsets, and again, I don't know why I'm, this is a podcast, so I could see you guys, but I'm doing headset, um, hands to my head in our headset. It felt like we were there. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. And I remember like Dwight Wilson had this, uh, like a power take, and it was an and one. And I remember, I growled. I'm like, don't you dare do that to Dwight Wilson. Sure. If, you better, if you do that, you better bring it stronger than that. And I'm screaming in a 13,000-seat arena because all of the emotion of the whole year is coming out in the form of that broadcast. And what those guys did. And it's really unfortunate because that team deserved to have, eight thousand Bobcat fans in Cleveland. I mean, imagine that. Mm-hmm. If somehow the, the 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 pandemic could have parted and somehow the fans could have been there, oh my gosh, that would have been a green and white party like no other. Yeah. But then you get to to Indianapolis, and we played in Bloomington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had to drive down to the Assembly Hall, and I've been to the Assembly Hall for for game be- games before, and there were just 500 people there, and we're up on a perch, mm-hmm. and the NCAA mandated that the broadcasters wear masks, mm-hmm. and I I'm vaccinated, I believe in the science totally. Problem was I had to wear glasses. We're up on Mount Assembly Hall. We're way up there.
1: It's it's ways up there. Yeah, yeah it is a little is. bit high. But and we're in the friends.
2: corner. And with the mask on, my glasses are fogging up. Sure. So I literally had to cheat and and tuck the mask down so I could broadcast the game because I couldn't see. Sure. Mm-hmm. But that team again, that was another deal, right? All the ties between Ben Vanderplas and Virginia, and Virginia didn't get there until the day before and all mm-hmm. of that. But then the broadcast at Hinkle Fieldhouse was so amazing, too. You know, my dad is a high school announcer in Indiana, wanted to do games at, at Hinkle. He never mm-hmm. was able to because his teams didn't get there. Well, his son got to. Got to do it. That's um, cool. So, yeah, all of it. It mm-hmm. was different. It was
1: special, but it was just different. Sure. It's funny you talk about the empty arenas. Alex and I's first game attending his media personalities was – Ball State Buffalo Mac Championship in Detroit, Ford Field, with no fans. Yeah,
0: it was eerie. That was something else. So we we get there, you know, because, again, our first ever event, you know, we want to get there early. We want to show up, have our stuff ready to go. And we get there. And you know how – I mean, you've been to hundreds of football games. So you know how there's, you know, fans in the concourse, you know, loud noise, music, everything. We get there. It's a ghost town. None of the concessions are open. Half the lights aren't even on. Right. Um. And so we get there and we're just kind of walking around. There are there's not even security like saying, "Hey, you can't go here. You can't go here." So right. we walk down and get pictures right by the field because mm-hmm. uh, we're like, "We're here. This is cool." Then we go up to the press box and uh, it was eerie. I almost it felt almost illegal for us to be there because it was just the teams, the uh, the Mac administrators, a few media. Uh, outlets i think there were maybe maybe 30 people there for media sure um and then the officials and that was that was pretty creepy
2: <laughs> you go back to the 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 mac tournament that wasn't in the, yeah. the 2019-20 season well yeah we were out to dinner the night before ohio was going to play and we were watching we were at barrio across mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. uh, arena right and that's where literally almost we go for every meal yeah, um, so good. Anyway, yeah. okay. and they yeah. pour a good drink too. They do, <laughs> but but we're watching that. the whole rest of the sports world shut down. Yeah, yeah. and I remember going into the hotel. Uh, you know, we we had the room, and we were at the Res Inn uh, there, the Residence mm-hmm. Inn, and Chad Bush, who who then was was broadcasting Eastern Michigan, and Jason Arkley, who's was our our beat writer, and and Rob and I were were there in in the room. Um. We, we got an upgraded suite, which was really cool. <laughs> but so I'm ironing a shirt for the next day and I'm thinking, well, why am I why am I ironing this? Like, there's going to be nobody there, but it's it's what I brought. You know, I believe in that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, we're on the floor. You know, Ohio had a scrimmage and that was that tournament, you know, and, and we left and the whole world, you know, all that happened after that. But long story short, hopefully we never repeat any of that ever again. Right. No. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we were, I think Alex and I, we were actually getting ready to go to Cleveland for that tournament. Yep. And then they, I think it started a what, like on a Wednesday or something like that? And then mm-hmm. that Wednesday night or whatever it was, they said, yeah, the tournament. It's like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> we had
0: Trisha call up on from Toledo right. uh, that summer of COVID. And she talked about, you know, she's like, you know, I've I've had teams where we've not won the tournament um but i still see the bracket is continuing they had the next team advanced on the bracket she said that was the first time she's left an arena where the bracket wasn't in process of being completed right and
2: right. she said that was such a weird thing for her so during that too we were on the air cuz we were, ohio was going to play the first game against akron and actually the day prior i i did color with with chad for the the eastern michigan women's game mm-hmm. so the women's tournament had had, had gone on well, anyway, we're on the air and, and it's network. So we've got to be on, on the stations and delay, delay, delay. You know, Ohio's players were on the floor. We never saw Akron's players. But as this was happening, it was kind of like War of the Worlds of mm-hmm. sorts, right? You, you you want to have contact with someone else. Mm-hmm. Like, is there anyone else out there? So the Big East tournament was going on and they yeah. had tipped. I think it was like Creighton and St. John's and were like, okay. Somebody else is going here. Okay, cool. But then you start to realize, what's the end goal here? You know, mm-hmm. it it doesn't even make any sense. And so thankfully, my gosh, you know, that was 2020. We're in 2022 now, right? Mm-hmm. I think still. I've lost track. Yeah, sure. We're but We're thank- somewhere in time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um The, the space-time continuum. Uh, <laughs> We have moved on to feeling
1: like we're back to normal again, right? Sure. Um, so I think before we kind of wind this up here, I do one more final thing here. Is there when so when you're out of dinner or you're walking to the grocery store, is there somebody that comes up to you and says, "Hey, I remember this call during this game." Is there a call that you know that sticks out in people's minds that people always bring up to you?
2: I, I think, and and first off, I am so incredibly fortunate that um, to to be at a place for as long as I have been. You hear it from fans. Not a lot. I mean, it, it doesn't happen. I don't want to say like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm some kind of huge star or whatever. But it is cool to know that you have impacted lives, right? Mm-hmm. Like what Rob and I say on the air, and it's not just me, it's him. Yeah. Um, our broadcasts do have an impact in this fan base. And it's so cool that we have brought these games to fans all over the world, right? Like, and that's mm-hmm. the amazing thing about this podcast can go anywhere. Our broadcast sure. can go anywhere now. Exactly. And what we do impacts other people, but yeah, like that 2012 run. So what that was 10 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got kids that were in school then that might have kids of their own now Mm -hmm. that might come up and say, "I I listened when I was a student and I still listen to you guys now. That's cool. And so it's not necessarily, yes, I was at Kroger one day and this person came up to me then. It's just a collective of yes, it's happened. Yes, it feels incredibly awesome. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, we're we're in the Mac, right? So so our fan bases aren't as large necessarily as the Power Five schools, but our fans are incredibly loyal. Mm-hmm. And, and as long as they know that you care and that you're giving it everything that you have the same thing with our student athletes and coaches. Um, they will, they will remember you. They will care about you. And our fans here Bobcat fans have, and, and I'm no matter where I go in my career and we've talked about, it, I mean, I've, I still have career goals. Um, I I'd like to make a lot more money for sure, but as long as I'm at Ohio, I'm going to do my absolute best. And, and those are moments, you know, the people that listen in Idaho, my parents back home, my parents listen to every game. I, I, my dad wanted to do this.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I do all of this, not only for me, but for all of them too. Sure.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's a great way to end it.
0: Yeah, I think so. Uh, Russ, I mean, this was, this was an excellent opportunity to have you on. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule, oh, uh, to sit busy. with us and, uh, <laughs> and talk some Ohio and broadcasting and everything in between. This is a, this is a great night. Thank you so much for joining us. You're, you're really
2: posting this whole thing. Like everybody's going to, this whole thing is going up. Oh yeah.
0: It's, 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 it's
2: going live Friday. 90 minutes of three sports. Cool guys. Yeah, talking about the Mac and broadcasting.
1: We're low budget, so we don't want to have the technology to edit. So yeah, we just throw it out there.
2: <laughs> we w- nobody pays us
0: to do this. So, like, you're definitely like doing way better than we are. We pay ourselves. <laughs> well,
2: you 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 all have real adult jobs, right? This isn't a yeah. this isn't a real adult job. This is some no. kind of fantasy land. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but congr- but I want to say too, congratulations to you guys. I know the Mac means a lot to you. Your schools mean a lot to you, Toledo and, and ball state. Um, and so what you've started here is, is what I think every league should have. Mm-hmm. Dedicated, level-headed, sane, probably cool individuals. I mean, he doesn't know us very like, well, does he, AJ? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but really, this kind of stuff is so important that, that every school, every conf- uh, conference should have guys like you guys that mm-hmm. care about the league, love the league want to promote the league. We'll be fair in promoting the league. I mean, you'll talk about tough stuff too. I know. Um, but congratulations on what you guys are doing. Cause that's, it's really cool too. I appreciate thank it. You. Yeah. We definitely appreciate that.
0: AJ that's going to wrap it for us this week. Uh, I've got nothing else. I'm gone.
1: Um, I've not had dinner yet.
0: No, fair enough. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. This is a, this is a great show looking forward to next week. See you then.